Welcome back to Don't Be Strangers, a series of wholesome conversations that focuses on fighting social isolation through stories of everyday people. I'm your host, Shinyi, and I typically meet my co-host for the very first time while recording. If this sounds fun to you, please consider applying to co-host a future episode. Signups for our Pen Pals Club for September is due Sunday, August 28th. This upcoming month, my Pen Pals Club nudge friend, Hajar, will be helping me with running an optional kickoff call where you'll get to meet all the Pen Palers in real time. It will be similar to the conversational game nights that we already do, but only among the Pen Palers. Speaking of friends of Don't Be Strangers, I'm looking for people to volunteer their time on this team as I've grown this project from a podcast to a pen pals club to a discord server and more, I'm realizing that I'll need help if I want to keep this sustainable for myself. If you're interested in anything I've mentioned, all that information can be found on Instagram at Don't Be Strangers. On the topic of pen pals, today I'm chatting with Pen Pal Central of Instagram. I felt extra honored because while she prefers to stay anonymous online, she was still interested in chatting with me and sharing her story. And naturally, because we both care about pen paling, there's a lot of overlap in our communities. I'm ever grateful for social media because it was thanks to the power of Instagram that we met. She has amazingly positive energy, and I feel like she's exactly the right person to run an account that shares submissions of people's bios in the hopes of finding pen pals. Prepare yourself for a fun conversation as we dive into topics such as our travel styles and how they are connected to our interests in pen paling, love languages and pen paling styles, how she got into the world of pen paling, how she started Pen Pals Central, and making friends as an introvert. I hope this chat fills you with as much joy as it filled me with. And with that, please meet Pen Pal Central. So I run Pen Pal Central. Some people have already known me from coming to lives, but I guess I never really introduce myself. I do run it. I do stay pretty private, but for anybody wondering, I'm a Texan. I'm in my 30s and I've been pen paling for so long. And uh, I've really enjoyed making that account and being a part of that community and excited to be here. I feel like it's such a beautiful community. Honestly, I have so many questions for you (laughs) regarding it. Um, But as I promise, you get to ask the first question. So what was the most meaningful moment or general experience you've experienced in your travels thus far? Because I know travel is really important to you. This is really tricky for me because I feel like nowadays travel is a lifestyle for me. So I don't really distinguish like am I traveling versus, yes, I have a home base. It's with my family in Dallas. So fellow fellow Texan right here. Um, But even when I go back, it just feels like another stage of my life. So when I'm traveling, I don't really distinguish it as like I am traveling. It's just this is another stage of my life, especially because I practice slow travel. So that is I typically try to stay in a place for about four weeks. And I am not a huge fan of the touristy things. So the more crowded a place is with tourists, the less likely that I want to do it, especially also because I feel like those spots are where you'll find a lot of hustlers and a lot of vendors who Mm. are always just trying to like money, money, money. Exactly. And so I feel really uncomfortable with that. Like I I like I know how to say like, no, thank you. But it's just don't like that. So that being said, with what is the most meaningful moment you've experienced? um, I find this really, really difficult because it's my life. And I feel like... It's not just brief punctuations, you know, if you were in one place like I am. And that makes sense. Like I only get to travel two, three-ish times a year. So that sort of probably in one way, like already puts them on a pedestal, which is different when it's your everyday life. Yeah, exactly. If I had to pick one, I guess I'll just pick like the most recent one was yesterday. I'm a a bit exhausted because yesterday we did like a tour group thing um, with local Colombians. So I'm currently based out of Medellin, Colombia, as I was telling you that I've been here for about a week and I did like a staycation last week. And yesterday we did a tour group. I typically don't like tour groups because of the way that they kind of shuffle you from attraction to attraction. The positive of it is that it's all inclusive. So the transportation, the the meals and stuff and being in another country, like I just like the convenience too. And I specifically picked to 
visit on a Saturday um, because I was hoping to meet other local Colombians, like taking advantage of their weekends to travel. And so I had a pretty interesting conversation all of yesterday because during breakfast, we were seated at a table, my husband and I, with four other people, one from Spain, one from Ur Uruguay, um, one from London, and one wow. from Medellin. And so I felt like it was really impactful because we were all there under a specific to Colombian tour group. So it was completely in Spanish. Then we had like three people, my husband, me, and the Londoner who were actively you know, learning Spanish. And I think we have proficient level of Spanish and that's why we're part of this group and then, mm -hmm. and then three other people of like distinct accents which was so fascinating because the Spanish Spaniard accent is different from like Uruguay accent different from the Medellin accent and I don't know it just felt really cool empowering to connect with people in this way and like how unique and special to have that opportunity that we were all like there at the same place at the same time and so yeah I felt like That's that was really a pretty awesome. beautiful <laughs> what about you have you thought about this question at all yes and no I love what you said and I, I do want to say like I'm with you in some ways about tour groups like my husband and I are looking at one for a couple things on our honeymoon that we're trying to plan. And yeah, you get shuffled around, herded like cattle. <laughs> you don't have any control over anything, but I also understand it's nice to not have to have that control and responsibility. As a very strong introvert who keeps to herself, I, I do like those situations that kind of push you to have to maybe sit next to someone else, share a table with someone else, ask a question and like form those connections that you wouldn't otherwise. I, I will go with probably the most recent trips I've been on <laughs> for different reasons. The most recent trip I did was to San Diego for a work conference. And like, it was very meaningful for me because it was my first work trip at all. It was to go to a conference that is like the big conference in my industry. And I'd always heard of it and always dreamed of going there. It was also my first time in San Diego, which was bizarre. I mean, 70 degrees every day, like my mind is still blown <laughs> being from like, it's 100 outside every day. And they just, oh, so pleasant. Oh, so pleasant. Every day, exactly the same. And that's just so strange to me. But <laughs> I think what was the most impactful for me was that it was the closest I have come to solo travel, which I've always been curious to try. But since I have good friends, I'm very close with my siblings. I am married. I don't know when or if I will ever have the opportunity to really do that. So even though I was there with my boss and my coworker, and I had a couple friends from a college, one that I'm pretty close with who are in the same industry and I met there, that was still an experience where I had pretty much full independence, got to go sightsee on my own, got to go out to eat on my own, had a hotel room to myself, which was amazing. And it was just such a cool experience. And it was nice because I did still have connections there. And then the trip before that was meaningful because it was probably the first trip where not only did I go there for someone else and a special event in their life, but also it was not somewhere I would have thought to ever go on my own. I went to a wedding in Washington last fall, but who wouldn't want to see Seattle? Whereas this trip was to Monterrey, Mexico. I would never have thought to go there, but my brother's wife is from outside of Monterrey. It was a very different pace to the trip. It was a very different purpose to the trip. It was a little too much family time, but it was so meaningful to see everybody come together for my brother and support him. And it is 97 degrees there, and so I don't really miss it. But it was really cool because we did feel more immersed. We did stand out like sore thumbs, but it was still really cool. I did feel a little lost because I don't speak Spanish. We did not have transportation except for one van. But that, I think, was also meaningful, both in supporting my brother and a different form of travel that was not centered on just 
our desires and what we wanted to do, but focused on someone else and putting like, you know, our hopes and our goals aside, which was hard <laughs> at some points. Um, there are a couple things we didn't get to do, but it was a growing experience for sure. I think it's really cool how you highlighted the different purposes that you could travel for. So the oh. one where it's like, yeah, for your brother's wedding and then the one where it was for a work conference, but the, the meaning that you were able to derive from each of these situations. I feel like there's a great analogy there for life. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's times we get to do something for ourselves and times we have to do something for something else. And it, it does. It creates a different experience. It's so true. Um, actually, while we're on this topic, I would love to know what is your personal travel style and how is this connected with your interest in pen paling if there is any connection that can be made? Gosh, I honestly think I am still feeling that out. Despite being as old as I am, many of my travels in my 20s were quite honestly to go see my ex because he's in the military. So I, even in those instances, I did not have a lot of money. I had a very clear purpose with my travel. I had no control over where I was going because obviously he had no control over where he was stationed. That's really what things focused on. I had a few trips interspersed, but that's where most of my money went. So it has been since then, and since being in a much better relationship, that I've had a partner where we can work together to say, where do we want to go? And I will say that absolutely has its own challenges. I want to go everywhere. And he is like, let's go to Colorado every year. <laughs> Colorado's great, but can we change it up sometimes? I will say I'm a different traveler style than you. I think I'm, I'm not really a staycation if I'm somewhere, especially because that vacation time is so precious to me. Uh, I do tend to want to, to a certain extent, maximize my experience. Got to make a room for a nap for my husband every now and then. I like to have a mix, a mix of trying places to eat, exploring museums. I've started trying to fit in a hike anytime I travel, because that is something that I and my husband really enjoy also. But beyond that, I think we're still kind of exploring. I would love to get more comfortable interacting with locals, but since I do tend to keep to myself very much, I try to go into trips pretty prepared. And most places I've been so far, that tends to pay off because most of my travels have been US, Mexico, Europe. I understand to a certain point, maybe in some other places, your planning may only take you so far. But so far, I haven't experienced that level of spontaneity yet, which is something I hope to explore a little more. But I, I am a fairly structured, <laughs> fairly structured traveler or like I'll have here are our ideas that I have pre-researched for today. What do we feel like doing? I definitely tend to research a lot beforehand. <laughs> I've basically got our honeymoon planned out. <laughs> <laughs> and we haven't even booked anything. <laughs> I oh. can completely empathize with going in completely prepared because that's what I used to do when vacation was more distinct and it was like, I only have five days. Yeah. And so, yeah, me researching the heck out of it. like me There's all that like, pressure to make right. the most of it. Exactly. And like, it's costly to travel, of course, like to, to buy the plane ticket and then the accommodations as well. It Yeah, you want to maximize it because... Oh, so there's a question of like, when will I be back? Like, will I ever come mm -hmm. back to this city or location? And so let's try to make sure, yeah, I've, I've done my research that there's nothing to be missed. But I would say that like, as I've been fortunate enough to integrate travel into my lifestyle, that like, if you're always traveling, it gets really exhausting because the way that I used to plan was like a full-time job, honestly, <laughs> the way that I would research all the oh, destinations. Yeah. And then you need to like recover after your trip pretty much too. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So now I, I have, I'm kind of proud of this, honestly, transition to a looser, more flexible travel style and so nowadays because I am also staying in places longer I have the liberty to like show up and just kind of ask around and see the repeating patterns of recommendation if like two or three people mm. say the same thing I'm like okay I gotta check that out right <laughs> so yeah. yeah and I do want to take advantage of those things more too I mean when I was in Colorado with my brother 
several years ago, we went to Rocky Mountain National Park and we had no plan of what hike we were going to do. And he went, and I forget what their title is, but it was generally retired individuals that I don't know if they were paid or if it was a volunteer, but they would just assist people, answer questions. And so we went up to this older gentleman and said like, hey, what do you recommend? And it could not have been a better hike. It was the perfect length to be challenging. It had this beautiful snow surrounded lake up in the mountains at the end, like everything was perfect. And I have found that, you know, when a friend makes friends with the bartender or the waitress and says like, oh, where do you recommend to eat? Their recommendations are absolutely the best and getting to know them. Yeah absolutely fantastic. You did answer the part of how is your travel style connected with your interest in pen palling? I actually find for myself that they are very connected because both of them are expanding your horizons. They are both going beyond the little place that you live, the little bit that you know, and starting out with acknowledging that there is stuff out there you don't know. And there are people out there that not only are different than you, but are worth learning about and worth talking to and getting to know. Although I'm still working on that since it requires like talking to other humans in real life. For me, I love that pen palling is another way to do that. It is also a way that's more age friendly. It is more budget friendly. It's so open-ended and it's so customizable for different people and their preferences. If they want postcards, long letters, collages, candy goodies, whatever. I I love that like travel, you can kind of tweak it and make it your own thing, but you're still learning and you're still growing through the experience. Yeah. What would you say your pen paling style is? And like I said, some, for some examples, some people like to just exchange stationary, long letters, short letters, candy, trivia of culture, For some, it's a creative outlet uh, or finding people with common interests to fangirl over or something. I feel like, like you, I identify as like a student of life. So I am just ravenous for information. And that's the reason why I travel. And my interest in meeting people through whatever format that is, like actually speaking in person, whether it is through letters and written communication, I'm there because I want to I want to learn about the world and I want to learn about your world and your your perspective on life because I feel like life is meant to be experienced and I want to experience as many different alternatives of this life there is but I only have a limited amount of time and resources to do this and so of course like books movies stories give you a certain outlet right to access and tap into these alternative potential lifestyles but then it's even more interesting if you can know a person personally who can give you a gateway into like a different way to perceive, to exist, to enjoy life. And so I feel like my personal pen paling style is just really long letters. And sometimes <laughs> I sometimes I I like to go ham with like sharing like little gifts like candies and stuff, especially if they give insight on my lifestyle, on my culture. But I don't focus a lot on making things pretty. I, I focus more on giving information because I guess that's how, what I seek. It's like I seek information. So sometimes if I get a really beautifully like decorated envelope and there's like cute stationery that my pen paler is sending me, but they only have written like two sentences or something because everything else was just like laces and like so I feel really disappointed because <laughs> I'm like I feel like I didn't receive anything even though I know I've received their time in them decorating this there's like a care that I perceive through it but like yeah <laughs> I want to know who you are <laughs> like, but, I don't get that <laughs> yeah yeah it not really the same but it's ever so slightly reminds me of the whole like five lung languages thing mm-hmm. like for some people their language and their style of pen paling is to make beautiful elaborate collages and put that time and effort and love into it and yeah for other people it's the letter they want to hear about your personal experiences so I definitely get that because I've seen people who are like 
I want to have pen pals who are going to put time into decorating. Right. Because that that is their style and they want that reciprocated. But I, I am there with you. Like it's it's the words, it's the person behind these things that I definitely want to get to know. It's more right. authentic too than like books and movies. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Real time. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What is your um personal pen paling style? I am definitely a mix. For me, I always try to tell my pen pals the most important thing to me is the letter itself. Like you, I like medium to longer letters. I usually write, you know, on stationary size pages. I usually do front and back, maybe even front and back again, depending on what kind of conversation is happening or how well we know each other. But there is still the sense for me that it is a creative outlet. I do have a home base. Other people can't see, but you can see all this junk behind me. (laughs) So for me, after a day of working at the computer, or I just want some alone time, it is therapeutic for me. And it is sometimes self-care for me to have that creative outlet to decorate and just play around. And it's nice to it's nice for that to be something that I can share with my pen pals. And so of course I enjoy receiving those, but I have a variety of pen pals. Some of them decorate and make these incredibly beautiful creations that make me so ashamed of myself and other ones just put like one sticker on the front and that's (laughs) fine too. Like it really doesn't bother me. I know what I like to give and I try to balance both and I try to be upfront with my pen pals, but Definitely a balance, but a little little more on the letter. Honestly, I don't exchange that much stuff in mine. I am a big fan of sending people stickers, and I love to do that, but I do not send packages whatsoever. <laughs> I'm too cheap. I'm too cheap for packages. <laughs> if it's over like two ounces or doesn't fit in a regular envelope, it's not going. You're not getting candy from me. You're not getting anything thick. You're not getting pencils. None of it. Like that's like six dollars. It's not worth it for right. me. So that's definitely my limit. I'm like, I'll send you stickers, maybe a little washi tape. We're good. <laughs> On this topic, um, how did you get into pen paling? And then I'm also really curious, how many pen pals do you have? Oh gosh. Uh so how I got into it, I think I was a freshman in high school and I was in a foreign language class and our teacher had I guess, coordinated or partnered with a teacher in that country. They paired us up. So we each had a specifically assigned pen pals. For example, we had to write our letters in German and they had to write their return letters in English so that we truly were practicing both the language and practicing it on a native speaker, which was a great experience, but it it was like this little dangle of a carrot because... I only received like one letter from my pen pal and then she stopped writing and I was just so disappointed because this was such an intriguing idea. But of course, at, you know, 14 ish years old, I didn't really have a lot of ability to go pursue that on my own. I didn't have my own computer. We did not have smartphones. There just, there wasn't the same resources and I didn't think to go look at websites until I was, I think, a freshman in college. And I had the privacy of being away at university. I had also the privacy of having a dorm mailbox so that I wasn't giving out my home because I completely understand people not wanting to do that. I currently have a P.O. box and it was just this whole new world. I found there were these incredible websites and I got into it and did it off and on And I actually still have one pen pal that I've had for 10 or 15 years now. We have visited each other three times and she's a wonderful person. And I know she probably feels a little sad or jealous that I do all this. So I remind her like, you were the first and (laughs) you uh, have such a special place in my heart. But then when I picked it back up more seriously again at the start of COVID. I had actually just moved in with my boyfriend at the time. I needed a socially distant indoor solo activity while he was playing video games. That was not in the summer heat. 
And so I got back into it and I discovered the Instagram community, which is amazing because you actually get to interact more freely with people than on a website. You have more control. You get to share the creations as posts if you want. There's just so much more freedom with it. But I was finding that every account I found was inactive for finding pen pals. And so I just ended up looking at them and being like, man, I could do that. And I, you know, we, we all feel a little perhaps egotistical because, you know, I would see some be like, I can do that and I can do that better than they can. <laughs> so, uh, but of course it's always a learning experience and everyone's looking for different things, but that's how I ended up doing it is because I wanted pen pals and I was not seeing really an active, helpful account. So I was like, it. I've got time, you know, we're, we're in a pandemic. <laughs> Let me do some research, put together some resources. And it has just grown and grown and evolved and changed so much over the past few years. That is so incredible. I had no idea that this was something that you started during the pandemic. It looks like it's something that would have, I don't know, that you've been doing forever, honestly. Um, so it did come in handy. Uh, I used to run a role play forum online as the administrator of that with like moderators under me. I had had to say no to people. I'd had people who are rude. I'd had to be responsible for thinking about people's safety and for what rules I should have, what resources I should have, how to make things appealing, what would I want to see as a user. So at least that kind of thinking I was familiar with. It was just turning it into a completely different purpose. But it's been kind of nice because this has been so much simpler than running an entire website. I don't need a team. You know, you're not having to spend time having team votes and everything, which I think is great and really, really important. But this was kind of nice that it was just me. I was able to manage it in my own time and just kind of roll with it to fit my life and what I was able to contribute and not let it get too out of hand because sometimes things grow and you don't really have a system in place that you can scale up. And so it's been really important to me to prioritize what content I do so that I can keep up with it. That makes perfect sense, especially because it's just a passion project, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to point out because you were you said something along the lines of like, oh, I like it's kind of egotistical to think that like, oh, I can do that too. And I can do that better. But the thing that I would like to highlight here is that a lot of people think that and then they don't do anything about it. So kudos to you for thinking and doing it. So there you go. (laughs) I'm trying. I'm trying. But even then, I am continuously learning. I see ideas from other accounts and I'm like, ooh, why didn't I think of that? You know, you have that moment of like kicking yourself or jealousy because there's something about their account you love. Or I had ideas and then I was disappointed that you know, users were not as interested as I was. And I ended up having to cut them because even though I thought they were a great resource, if nobody's using them, that was just not worth my time. Okay, I'm going to interrupt here to say that if you found any of these topics interesting or relatable, please hit pause right now to give the show a follow and a rating. Or if you know of a friend who needs to hear what's being shared here, please take two seconds to message them this episode. It'd mean the world to me to be able to expand the reach of who this podcast could potentially help. So it's been a huge learning experience absolutely for sure but i like that you're trying things out and that you're staying open-minded because i feel like as a passion project and i know because don't be strangers is my passion project yeah how important it is to keep things fun for yourself and not to like limit yourself from the things that you think are fun or else then it'll start to feel like a chore and that you are limited and boxed into like things that maybe you don't find as fun and so yeah Mm -hmm. i think for the long longevity of like a project keeping play forefront is so important (laughs) oh definitely yeah and especially because as it grows or as the content that you create as you know you know continues you might shift your style or your the time commitment you're able to make may change or the culture of sort of the community that you're in may change so i'm definitely finding that 
I am having to shift, whether it's because of my limitations, because of user interest, logistics, whatever. It's it's just always growing and it's always trying to keep that balance of, yeah, I'm, I'm not getting paid. And I also want to make sure I'm keeping a healthy balance for everything else in my life. Once you're on your phone, you know, I, I have to make sure to put it down during movies. You know, I have found that there's a, a pretty consistent unintended schedule of I tend to not post on the weekends. It took me a while to catch on to that, but I've recently realized, yeah, I'd like never post bios on the weekends. I just end up not being on my phone, trying to be present at home and with loved ones. And that's okay with me. And I think that's important since we are doing passion projects and they can easily, easily get out of control. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I would also love to know, like, what are your favorite ways to connect with a new friend and develop that friendship, especially given that you are an introvert? (laughs) How do you go about finding new friends too? Yeah. (laughs) Gosh, that is actually something I am actively working on right now. I had the same friends since like middle school and We have been so close, but I'm actually at the point now where I feel like we're kind of growing apart, or at least I am growing apart from them. Just nobody's fault, you know, just kind of going in a little bit different directions. And so I'm finding that it is very difficult to make friends as an introvert. One thing I'm very comfortable with is being online. Uh, It's how I've made so many friends. It's how I met my husband. Uh, I'm actually been exploring apps and websites and Facebook groups, because that is something that is comfortable for me. I'm not as comfortable just going to a, I don't know, whatever introverted people do, a concert (laughs) or the friend of a friend's party, or I don't, I don't even really know. I don't even really make friends at work. I like people at work, but I don't know how to initiate conversations. So this has been helpful because just like with online dating or, you know, any other situation on the internet, you're you're starting that conversation through texting, which I think can take a little bit of the pressure off because there's not awkward pauses. You're not have to, having to worry about body language, eye contact. I know I'm very self-conscious. How do I look? What is their first impression of me? And it kind of takes all of that off the table, at least for a little bit. I think it's important to meet up at some point. That's what I've been trying. It's been slow. But good. I think it's hard in general. I mean, I hear teenagers say it's hard to make friends. I hear people in their 50s say it's hard to meet new friends. So it doesn't really seem that age specific. I think if anything, it's just a little bit harder as an adult because then you have full control over like your schedule and what you do with your free time and how much you interact with people. For me, that's something I'm trying to push myself a little more with. Couple people I intend to message for the first time and say, hey, I saw you like this shared comment of X. Uh, What was your favorite movie of it? Or, you know, whatever it is to at the very least know that I'm trying. For sure. And I think there's a lot of beyond your intentionality, also a mutual intentionality as well. Like, is the other party also equally as interested? Because you could be putting in a buttload of effort in trying to like grow this budding friendship and if the other person is just like I'm too busy like I can't whatever then nothing's gonna move and I think that's the complexity of it as well as we live in a world with more and more options that Mm -hmm. we get pulled in so many directions that like we have to be so intentional to about how we want to spend our time like are we going to be socializing or are we going to be like just on our phones hitting likes (laughs) on people's posts on Instagram or yeah I think it's it's definitely difficult and for the longest time because I I personally identify as an ambivert I used to be way more introverted and now I am 50 50 introvert extrovert which Mm -hmm. honestly I don't like um, because it's a spectrum like everything else in life, right? Oh, Um, absolutely. 
if you're more introverted or more extroverted and you know that this this is true of yourself, then you know that you need to schedule like as an extrovert more people time. Like maybe it's going to be like every single day you need people time because you know that about mm. yourself. Um, or if you're an introvert, you're like, I need more solo time. And so I'm just going to schedule that and have less you know, other people time. But for me, being an ambivert, I walk into every single social interaction, not knowing if it's going to hype me up or drain me. Like, so mm. it's, it's actually, I don't know, it's it's very annoying because like, I'm like, either after this hangout, I'm going to feel like high on life, 50-50. Like, yeah, or I'm just going to be like, oh my god, I need a nap and like, you don't want to talk to anyone for like the next three days. Yeah, um, oh, that makes sense. My, I think my husband is an ambivert. But he, I think he's different. I think he needs his social interaction, but he's also just so much of a homebody that it ends up balancing out as long as he does get to go out a little or happy hour, this or that. His just his social needs are, I, I still think, not to an introvert level. But like you said, it's a spectrum. Like, where's the line? You know, we, we put these labels on it. Oh, what does that really mean? Right, exactly. Oh, and then also, hard. also, you can change over the course of your life, right? So like I already alluded mm-hmm. to, I used to be way more introverted, and now I feel more open. Um, but also, circumstantially, right? Like I feel like personally at networking business conference type situation i become way more introverted like i just can't oh absolutely too <laughs> i exchanged other- business cards with one person on my work trip <laughs> yeah so I, I understand whereas like in other situations i just feel so comfortable that's like oh i'm gonna talk to everyone and i'm gonna try to get other people to talk to each other and i'm gonna kind of like lead the the social environment and so yeah it's really just contextual I think that's something to like keep in mind too I yeah that's a really good point because uh my pre like professional career I did a lot of babysitting Uh, I'm very passionate about like animals and conservation and that's what I studied in school and I do find that if I'm in a position of presenting or providing help or you know, maybe I'm helping a kid with their homework or I'm with my outdoor group and I'm the one in charge of, we went and did a camp out and I was tasked with presenting about uh, light pollution. And in that case, like, you know, for the first minute or so, I'm super nervous, but then, yeah, I felt more comfortable. So definitely situational and depending Mm. on what's going on. Because I, I have noticed if it's something like that or if it's someone needs my help, I'm a little bit better at taking charge or speaking up. And that's yeah. how I feel like I've done okay-ish with Pen Pal Central is because it is kind of pushing me to take the lead because I'm trying to help. I'm trying to answer questions. And I've, you know, just over the years, like you said, it changes in life. I feel more comfortable now than I did 10 years ago. Absolutely. But I still get so much social anxiety. <laughs> so it's it's always a navigation and a balance. It's a work in progress. And I think it's mm-hmm. also very fascinating, something that I never expected. I don't know why, but I think I was just thinking about this yesterday. The correlation in my personal life between my fashion, like my personal fashion style, and its impact on my ability to feel more self-confident. So what I mean to say by this is that I remember that there was a period in my time, like around college was when I started to actually care because pre-college, I was definitely your typical Asian nerd. I didn't care about high (laughs) dress because it was all about comfort and I needed comfort to study (laughs) 24-7. That's all I was going to do. So so it was like always hoodies, sweatpants. People would always comment that I look very comfy and I'm like, you're right, I am comfy (laughs) because I'm going to be sitting down at my desk (laughs) all the time. Um, And it wasn't until like college, I think I just had a few influential friends who were like also tapping into self-expression through fashion and so kind of like taking their lead and um 
becoming peeked into what is self-expression like maybe there is something more to make up than my like my nerdy self perceived that as like egotism like honestly like me mm-hmm. looking at other girls with makeup I was like I don't need that because I'm not into myself like that but it's it's just another form of art like which is what I've realized um now and so as I like dipped into fashion and like exploring different styles of clothes and self-expression and there was like a point where I felt so weird wearing a skirt because I was like sweatpants girl so it was just like oh yeah this right um and I remember like feeling so weird about it but then I was like but what if I just practice putting myself outside of my comfort zone like that was all it was for me was like let's just yeah just wearing a skirt it sounds so dramatic right but like you know if you're you're a teenager a young adult <laughs> I'm just like let's practice as a general life practice for putting yourself outside of your comfort zone and like by doing that it made me more comfortable doing uncomfortable things and so it's like so straight like strange how something so small like me wearing things that I did not feel comfortable wearing previously empowered me to do other things I felt less comfortable with earlier so another example is like I used to be so scared of complimenting strangers like I love this random stranger's earrings and I want to tell Mm -hmm. them I know that you would want to be told yeah exactly like I would make their day but then I used to get really into my head I'm like should I walk up to them and just tell them like is this the right time to tell them like are they looking away are they looking at me oh I completely understand and then then, then the moment passes and I've missed like my opportunity to tell them because they've like left Mm -hmm. or something and you're stuck with that regret Right. And then like all I've done is just induce so much anxiety on myself. <laughs> Things I wanted to do that is good karma for this other person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I practice like giving compliments to strangers about like the clothes they're wearing and stuff. And now I can do it without really overthinking it. And it was difficult, but like there is, it's possible. It's possible to change your introversion, extroversion through practice if you recognize like what you want on the other side and to just force yourself Mm. um, for like the desensitization, like just doing it enough until you become desensitized to like the anxiety. That's exactly what happened to me. Like I still get so much anxiety, but at least in certain situations, it has improved dramatically. Like once upon a time, if I even just online, not seeing their face or anything, had to tell the person no, I would feel so uncomfortable doing that no matter what the situation. And now I feel so much more comfortable. I actually get people coming to me in my role as Pen Pal Central seeking advice of how to turn someone down or, you know, uh, reply to them with some form of rejection. And little things like that, even though I'm not great with confrontation, it's a lot better online when I can finesse over my exact wording, but still that practice. And like you said, desensitization has really helped because at this point I've had a lot of practice and they say it's the same thing with like public speaking. All of it is about practice and just working yourself up to it and saying that it's not that bad and you can take baby steps, add a couple of people to the audience each time or whatever the situation calls for. And yes, I get you about clothing. Mine's a little different in that it's not always about pushing myself out of my comfort zone, but to feel comfortable, I need to feel happy in what I'm wearing and I need to feel content with how I feel I look. And of course, some overthinking about how I think other people will think about how I'm looking. Because if I am so preoccupied with that and my anxiety is going out the roof over analyzing all of that, I'm not going to be comfortable in that situation. I'm not going to be okay, like talking to someone. And that's definitely something I still struggle with, as my partner can assure you. But yeah, it's those little things of sort of laying the groundwork, essentially. Okay, I must now ask you the question that I ask everyone, which is, how do you define a stranger? And at what point do they transition from being one to not being one? For me, it definitely takes a little while for me to consider someone not a stranger, because there's always those tiny increments. And how do you really quantify that? For the most part, I 
still put acquaintances into roughly the stranger because, you know, if I'm having to worry about how I word something with them, or if I haven't really had a one-on-one conversation with them, to me, that's not a friend yet. But that said, I think it's great that the world is full of strangers because there's that opportunity. I don't know. It, it makes me feel like people are less alone because even with like pen palling, okay, like everyone's a stranger, but so are you. Everybody is starting off as a stranger and that's okay. And I feel like that makes it an even playing field. But how do I define it specifically? That's just, that's really hard. Limited interaction and working until you, you know, you could say a few things about them at the very least, whether it's they're very defensive or they always ask me about my day or, you know, with pen palling, oh, they send this and this because they know I love it. And I send, you know, stickers because I know they don't buy many stickers, but they love to receive that. Just knowing those little things about that person to me, like that's already showing that they're no longer a stranger. They may not be like, a solid friend yet, but they're definitely out of stranger zone. Mm, so it's like the recognition and like the like just having a few details, it sounds like. Yeah, something that's starting to go beyond the surface. Actually, in the context of pen palling, how many letters do you think there needs to be exchanged before you move out of the stranger zone? Oh, I think that really depends because just like with emails or texting, I definitely feel like there are people who are more inclined to keep things very brief. And because of that, it may take a much longer time to start to scratch that surface, so to speak, and get to know them. And it really slows things down. However, you don't know, maybe that person just needs more time to open up. But personally, with, I don't know, when people say medium letters or long letters, I'm like, what what is the measurement for these <laughs> terms? But I would say I'm like a medium to long letter person. And I would say probably at least maybe like three letters, because at that point, you are actually able to have a little bit of a conversation and maybe touch back on things that you learned previously. Whereas I think Mm. honestly, up to that point, it's still just sharing new information about yourself and not necessarily engaging that much in a two-way conversation just yet. Yeah, that makes sense. I would love to know, like, I know what struggles I've encountered in running Pen Pal Central, in getting it started, in kind of establishing sort of a style uh, visually, and also just a, a style in how I present content and how I interact with people and what they can expect from me as the person behind the account. But, you know, and also just logistics, you know, everything that comes with it. And I'm kind of curious to know, since your account is also geared at building a community, but in many other respects, it is very different. Like, what are some struggles you've encountered with running your account and pursuing this goal or mission to help people connect? Yeah, okay, so I'm really curious to know your answer to this, so we'll have to loop back. Um, Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) To give you some context, Don't Be Strangers started when I was actively on YouTube, and I was trying to figure out what the heck I was doing with my YouTube because when I started YouTube it was just really an expressive outlet for me to just record videos and edit them so I didn't really have a theme it was like the part of it was like fashion like how to style and then others were travel and it was just whatever I had recorded like I would edit and put out there and then at some point I brought on a friend to help collaborate on that project with me because I just needed an accountability partner and then also someone to just kind of like keep me going, someone to bounce ideas off of. And they were super into personal development. So they kept asking me questions like, why? Why are you doing this? What is the purpose behind this? And they asked me this to help me kind of refine my branding for that, Mm -hmm. you know, visual diary. That was basically all it was, was just like my diary. And through this exploration of why, 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 I realized that I wanted to connect with people and I wanted people to connect with each other. And I realized that YouTube was not the platform for it because Mm. while 
there has been, I think, a few communities, and I don't really know anymore because I've fallen so far off of like the YouTube. Oh, uh, yeah, platform. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know much about like so out of touch, <laughs> right? But um, I've only seen a very few um, successful communities built on YouTube because. At the end of the day, it's typically like an influencer slash celebrity, and then people wanting to communicate with these influencers slash celebrities. So a lot of like the comments on YouTube are truly just one way communications, like me and you, the celebrity. Like I love yes. your shirt. You are so cool. Like I would love to meet you. Um, and like very few. So it like, could be two things, but there's like this wall in between, and it's not a back and forth. Yeah. Right, that. And then also, like, people are not really talking to each other, really. It's not designed mm-hmm. for that. And then the other really frustrating thing is, is that I feel like generally on the internet, it's kind of slightly discouraged to interact with strangers almost because there is this hater culture where it's very common for haters to comment randomly on <laughs> on people's comments mm. to to interact and so yeah I kind of like fell back from YouTube once I realized that this was not like the route that I was seeking and then in mm-hmm. parallel to that I, I kind of had this idea the spark of this idea to start a hashtag movement hashtag don't be strangers and I had I was oh, so excited yeah. about it and I was like okay you could use, use this anywhere on the internet it could be YouTube Reddit Twitter whatever um, and the idea behind it is that like if you say something and then at the end or at the beginning somewhere in your message you hashtag don't be strangers you're basically putting a little flag on your message to say like Mm -hmm. everyone is welcome to talk to me and this is going to be like a safe open constructive space like a safe word yeah exactly so I created the Instagram page as like a placeholder to kind of explain it and then I had like a web page to explain it but then I didn't really have time or effort to market or explain it beyond that and so Mm -hmm. it never really went anywhere but I, I I just love the idea of it. And so I just had that web page and I still love the idea of it. I still want to like connect people, connect with people. And so eventually I kind of got curious about starting a podcast. And so that's what Don't Be Strangers, the hashtag movement or whatever, turned into a podcast about a year ago. And so I started my first podcast episode and I wanted to do that because again, linking back to my YouTube days, while you're actively making YouTube videos, you're always thinking about like what would be good content. <laughs> so like things that I thought mm-hmm. would be good content would be like some conversations I had with friends because I felt like we talked about very meaningful things, very interesting things, things that were would be eye-opening for other people to hear and um, have access to. And so I was like, let's try podcasting because I consume a lot of podcasts. And I feel like it's way easier than YouTube because I don't have to worry about visuals. Like I don't, it's just voice. And then like, that's it. Yeah, when I started Don't Be Strangers, the podcast, I gave myself a goal of five episodes. I was like, release five episodes and and just push through the five. And if at the end of five episodes, you're like, you know, you thought this was fun, but it's not actually that fun. <laughs> like, just mm-hmm. drop it. Mm-hmm. Um, I put out the five and I was like, hey, it's actually kind of fun. So I just I just kept going. From there, I was like, this is so cool having this podcast and me getting to meet really interesting people, having these awesome, profound conversations, which I love because I can't do the surface level stuff. <laughs> I feel like other people are not benefiting from these really cool people that I'm meeting through the podcast. So yes, they can listen to our conversation, but it's not like they get to make these connections so through a bit of like frustration for that I built the pen pals club it's a digital version because I was traveling at that time and then also international mail was getting lost so I was just <laughs> I did wonder how that worked <laughs> for you <laughs> right so I was like okay I'm traveling all the time international mail is getting lost let's just keep it all digital which will kind of take out some of the fun of like receiving a physical package, seeing someone's like handwriting, which I really value. But I was like, at the end of the day, I I want to be able to participate and I don't want things to get lost. So it's just, mm-hmm. just going to be digital. I was doing that for like the first six months of this year. And it was kind of frustrating because I guess kind of like real pen palling, I had no visibility on things that happen. So I would like pair everyone up or whatever. And I'm like, everyone like go and write your letters. And I would like send them email reminders. Like this is your due date. Like, don't forget, like here are some prompts if you don't know what to say. Yeah. Um, 
And then I would only get receive bad news, bad news like, oh, my pen paler is not like responding to me and stuff like that. It felt like lonely. Sometimes I would get positive feedback where it's like, this has changed my life. Like this has re-inspired、uh, my hope in humanity. <laughs> Things like this that were just like so sweet. But then I was just like. Darn it! I want to see community. <laughs> like I really will keep the aspect where where everyone will get paired,、um, like a normal pen paling situation. But I'm gonna start the Discord. So I started that、um, in May because I was like, we'll still get pairing, but now you get access to everyone. And the idea was always that like you had access to everyone in the pen pals club. Like you can talk to anyone you want. I just wanted to see <laughs> what was happening a little bit. Like, yeah, like all of a sudden you're removed from the equation, and all you get are like essentially the Yelp review feedback. So yeah, yeah that totally makes sense. Yeah. Oh man. So, so yeah, so the Discord has been running, and last month I threw my first like event to celebrate the one year of like the podcast, and so it was a conversational game night. I took questions from the podcast, and I put them on little flashcards, and then it was this is all digital, and I put everyone in small groups, so then you could just like it's basically what we're doing when like a small group format, so you get to like oh that's、people. neat. Yeah, so if you want to join, I'm doing it again this month. That's how it's evolving. Is that like I'm trying to make it more and more community centered and more and more like interacting of people and less about the podcast. So I still do these podcast episodes because it's great. I love sharing these stories.、Mm-hmm. The struggle is really community management aspect. It's because like I feel like I keep wanting to try all these things,、um, and so my attention span is getting. It's hard. Yeah, like, yeah, they say like you need to like prioritize and really make the most of just a few ideas, or else you won't be able to keep up with stuff. But it is hard. I want to hear your struggles with growing. Oh gosh, I wouldn't call it a struggle, but of course, you know, you see, especially since there are several other pen pal accounts like mine, sometimes I'll see someone else has more followers, and I'm like, man, how do I get from here to there? That one's more just a me <laughs> personal thing because for my social media, I do always tend to stay very private. And so I think this has been the one thing where I'm like, yeah, I could actually be visible, get followers, feel like I'm making some sort of an impact. But realistically, since that is one of those things where I'm like, that's not important. That's not what I am measuring success by or validation, because I ultimately don't think that's healthy or necessarily a true read on the impact. That I'm having, like you, I want it to be meaningful connections.、Uh, but some struggles I've had, definitely one like you, where I will have several ideas. It might take a little while to realize that I've taken on more than I can handle. I'm trying to do too many ideas. For example, at one point, I was getting so many DMs that. It was regularly. I think I took a break for maybe a week or two, and I came back, and it was over a hundred. And I was just struggling to ever get it back under a hundred. Instagram has, you know, changed and been updated, new versions and such. And it hasn't happened in quite a while. But once it's above a hundred, it just says like ninety nine plus or something. So it would not even tell me an accurate number, and that was just causing so much anxiety to know that like. Instagram had even given up counting how many things were in my inbox, and that was giving me so 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 much anxiety, and it wasn't fun for me anymore. And since I'm not getting paid for this, it is just a passion project. Like that's a huge red flag, and it took me a while to see like this is a problem. But hey, this is not the past situations I was in where I had a team or only so much control. This is my account. I'm the only one with access to it. This is entirely my project. If something needs to change, like I really do have not only the freedom but also the responsibility to myself and to my users to do something about that, and that has been also just personal growth for me to realize and acknowledge that problem, and then to also be like, okay, well, how do I need to pivot? There've definitely been some ideas I've had that didn't catch on. There have been some ideas I've had that. I genuinely enjoyed, but maybe the time wasn't worth it. Like I've been doing blog posts with ideas and recommendations and stuff, but I look at the statistics and the data gathered of people clicking on it. It's not many. So at this point, I again am having to step back and be like, "Is this worth it?"、Uh, I'm not having as much time to do these blog posts at my new job. Is anybody really reading these? 
I haven't really seemed to get across and make that helpful enough or appealing enough or whatever. So yeah, that might be another thing that I scrap. Another, I wouldn't say struggle as like entirely negative, but I would perhaps say a challenge, but one that I find interesting and good that keeps pushing me and is also in a way very validating is when people come to me with conflict. It's been really interesting when someone says, I actually have one that I need to respond to, right? Like, you know, sometime this weekend. And it's saying this person asked me to show a picture because they want me to prove that I'm a girl when I said I'm a girl, you know, whatever. Don't want to talk to me if I'm a boy or, or want to make sure I'm not lying. And they already sent a picture of themselves, but I didn't ask them to. So that, you know, that's one that I haven't responded to yet. And I'm, I'm going to have to figure out how I respond, but they're definitely a challenge because it gets me thinking like, not only how would I handle this, but how how would I advise someone else? And I don't necessarily know the age, the gender, the nationality of the person I'm helping, nor that information of the person they are talking about. You know, like I had one person be like, oh, this person is sketchy. They are talking about how they want girlfriend or a boyfriend, or they've kind of implied some interest. And is it too much to block them? You know, all these little questions that keep me thinking and trying to provide general help when needed. Uh, as someone that is older than most of the people I post for, also trying to provide a healthy role model and healthy advice of positive ways to deal with these situations and navigate this conflict. Honestly, I've really enjoyed that because sometimes for me, those are the most meaningful interactions because most of the time I get a DM, it's got their little paragraph. They're like, hey, here's my little blurb of information about me and I post it. I always send a follow-up message with just a few things to keep in mind and maybe they'll acknowledge, maybe they won't, maybe they'll say something really sweet, like, thanks so much for running this account. But that's typically it. That's usually the end of our interaction. And it wasn't really any sort of back and forth. It's it's like I'm a human bulletin board, essentially. And that's fine. And I love that. But that's why those actual instances where they come back are so meaningful. Or I get someone that says, hey, you know, I, I'm just not really connecting with people. And I'll say, well, I'm looking at what you had me post and there's really not much information in it. You know, it it might be helpful for you to include more of your interests, for example. And I I realize I'm getting slightly off topic, but struggles (laughs) like that kind of (laughs) talked about them. I also still deal with every once in a while someone is rude. It's been amazingly rare, which has been amazing after running a forum because There are many discontent members on forums with, you know, whatever the rules are, situations, whatever. There's still the uncomfortable moment of, yeah, I've had to occasionally block someone, but I'd say a handful of times. So that's been really nice and not too bad. Mainly balancing my time. Aside from juggling ideas and how to pursue those ideas and finesse them into something that is worth my time and is also helpful for users is also just balancing my time in general. Because honestly, I post mostly from work, which, you know, sometimes means it fluctuates. If uh, my boss is talking to me a lot that day, I can't post. If I have a project or something, can't really spend much time. So in those situations, like I can't do as much and I need people to be flexible. And I will say sometimes people are not super patient. I do sometimes get a person who's like, hey, hey, have you posted mine? Or they just like keep resending it. And I'm like, guys, I don't, I don't know how many times I need to share this to my rules and to my stories. Like, don't do that. I have a life. So yeah, I would say a challenge or struggle is most people are amazing. But occasionally, there's someone who I don't know, maybe thinks I'm a teenager on summer break, or I'm unemployed in my mom's basement, I don't really know, but forgets like, I can't be online all the time. I cannot post you within two hours of you messaging me. Like, that's not reasonable expectation. And sometimes it is, if they have been very persistent, sometimes it is challenging to me to stay on the high road, I will say, mm. um, because that is one thing that really puts me off is not respecting my time that I put yeah. into this. So if I have received 10 messages from someone and it's been two days 
and I am actively posting in my stories, hey, I have 30 DMs to message. Hey, I'm really busy at work today. Hey, I've got 40 messages, but I'm about to start working on them. Like, that should be a clue that I'm trying to keep everybody updated. I'm trying to keep up with stuff. But quite honestly, my real life does come first. And like I said, making sure I do take a break some on the weekends and spend time with the people around me because the internet became so big and I definitely got into it. And I definitely had a time like in college and in my 20s where I was on my computer constantly. And now, of course, we have better phones and it's switched to being on your phone constantly. So making sure that I respect my own time and my relationships and not let them fall by the wayside, I would definitely say is something that I've had to work on. And because of that, I have had to cut out things. I used to do featured posts, but it was this huge time suck of exploring different hashtags, different accounts to find new content, make sure I haven't posted this person more than like once before. I would always want to reach out and get their permission because I wanted to share this as an actual post. And some people don't allow that, but I've never been asked before. So they don't have it publicly stated. So I have to like reach out and I have to keep track of who's responded and then keep them saved and have drafts of the posts. And people liked it, but that was one of the things where even though it was kind of a success for users, I had to stop and realize that it was causing me a lot of anxiety and it was taking up more time than it was worth for my sanity. So unfortunately, I no longer do that. I still share stuff to my stories. I have found that like that's a decent compromise, but it's also hard with Instagram's algorithm because I follow hundreds and hundreds of accounts, but I'm probably seeing like the same 50 all the time. And I want to make sure that in this community of creative people, that I am sharing stuff that is different styles, different experience and skill levels, because I know I don't just want to see the super elaborate and complex crafting skills and you have to have this fancy technology or equipment. I want stuff that's realistic that also is going to appeal to someone who is literally picking up their markers to decorate their first envelope. Thank you for the intentionality behind what you do and what you share. It really does make the world feel like a smaller, cozier place. If you're interested in finding a physical pen pal either domestically or internationally where you can exchange snail mail letters, you can use at penpal underscore central as a go-to page for perusing the bios of people who want to connect with others in a handwritten manner. If you don't mind emails or virtual communication, I also offer my Digital Pen Pals Club that is less focused on writing and more focused on intentional and deep conversations. It's a hybrid of emails, Discord, and optional video or voice calls to make it as easy as possible for you to connect in the manner that works best. That being said, Pen Pals Club signups for September is closing this Sunday, August 28th, and we will be trying out a new kickoff call and virtual hangout the first week of the month. I'm going to drop in this little plug from April, who co-hosted my last episode and was previously a pen paler in our Don't Be Strangers community. We were texting back and forth and she sent me this really sweet message and I wanted to share not gonna lie, primarily for myself, so I feel inspired to keep going. She said, I've been literally telling everyone about how Don't Be Strangers has played an integral part of my life this year. This year's intention was to seek connections that would inspire me, and I have always found it difficult finding the right people or community. I'm finding that the people who are attracted to Don't Be Strangers have been really down-to-earth, like-minded, and creative. I also feel safe connecting with the people it brings in. My closest friends here now all know about this platform, and it has inspired me greatly to be more open, adventurous, and courageous to reach out and explore new stories and bonds. I know I'll say it again and again, but thank you for creating this space. My life would not feel as full as it is today without getting to talk to you, join your pen pals exchange and podcast, and the people your platform has brought together. So thank you again, April, for sharing with me all those good vibes. It really means the world to me, and it really fuels that fire for me to keep going. If you 
you don't have time to dedicate a month to writing or connecting with a new friend, this Sunday, August 28th, I'm hosting the monthly conversational game night, which is a great way for you to connect with new friends. And of course, I'm looking for friends who can volunteer their time into developing and growing this community. Write to me on Instagram at Don't Be Strangers. That's where you can find all the latest and greatest information on things that we're up to. Sending you so much love, and as always, don't be a stranger.